Hello and welcome to The Appetite, a podcast brought to you by Opal Food and Body Wisdom, an eating disorder treatment center in Seattle, Washington. I'm your host, Carter Umhau, a therapist, artist, and writer. And since the last episode we released, there has been a massive amount of shift both in our city and in our world at large. Obviously, the only thing anyone is talking about at this point is the current pandemic. And we certainly have some episodes recorded that we will be releasing later on, but we wanted to jump in um, as soon as we could to be able to offer sort of like a little public service announcement from Opal, knowing that this is a time that is not only a health crisis, but it's also very much a mental health crisis. So today I'm going to be sitting down with Opal co-founders, Lexi Giblin, Kara Bazzi, and Julie Church to discuss kind of the different pillars of mental health that we're aware of that we want to really be able to offer some support around during this time. So we're going to be talking through different psychological things to be mindful of right now, maybe some particular family dynamics for you to be mindful of right now, food, nutrition, and even a little bit about body image too. So hi guys. Hello. Hi Carter. Hi. (sighs) So we are kind of coming together around this conversation right now, I think just to let the listeners know too, like many people and organizations around the entire world right now, we are physically separated. The three of you are together, but I am recording from my bedroom in (laughs) Seattle. So (laughs) feels like this, this topic as we dive into it is poignant, I think, to be already, of course, feeling the impacts of social distancing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Lexi, I'd love to start with you as the executive director of Opal and a psychologist. What are the different categories around mental health that you're thinking of, aware of, and feel concerned about during this time on behalf of our community and our world at large? Yeah. So, you know, this this morning I woke up with this feeling of I need to do something, do something. I have, what do I have as a resource that could potentially um, help others? And maybe it wouldn't help any others, but what can I do at least to try? And, you know, I'm a psychologist. So I thought, what is it? What is it that I would want to say to the community, to our world regarding psychology and our mental health? And, you know, uh, so much came flooding, flooding in. And of course, as you mentioned, Carter, we are, of course, in a crisis, um, in a pandemic. And of course, we're focused very much on the coronavirus and its spread. And along with that comes a, I, I would say we are in a mental health crisis. Our basic psychological safety is in question at in this moment. And we're living in it as day to day. And there's so much ambiguity from moment to moment, which is such a source of anxiety. There's some novelty every day. All of these incredible stressors are are coming at us. This basic psychological safety is in question. We are in a um, in a trauma of sorts. And with that, I mean, I'm thinking about anxiety. Of course, we're concerned about whether we're going to be okay from day to day to day, or our loved ones are okay. We're experiencing grief and loss. People are losing their jobs. People are losing family members. There's an incredible amount of loss happening from day to day. And the grief that we are in or maybe will be in 
because it feels to me like we are in the midst of the trauma and not yet feeling kind of the consequences and not yet able to feel the grief and loss. Our social needs, our basic needs for connection are in question, are kind of more difficult to be had in some ways because you know, what we're being recommended to do through public health with the important measures that we're taking to keep ourselves safe and others safe and, and diminish the spread are the exact opposite of what mental health practitioners recommend generally, right? So we don't typically recommend self-isolation. We don't recommend quarantining yourself. We don't recommend um, not touching people you love. And so I'm concerned about humanity from a mental health perspective for that reason as well, because of course, one of our basic needs is for connection and how that's uh, affected due to the coronavirus. Um, when we were already facing an epidemic of loneliness in the world and in the in the country, and here here's a whole nother layer of um, social distancing that may or may not increase loneliness. I don't know yet, but I'm certainly concerned about it. At the same time that we are experiencing this social distancing and social separation, we are at the same time becoming so aware of our interdependency, you know, that I am never have been so aware of the actions that I take and their impact on the people around me if I go to the drugstore, what does that mean for Kara, who's sitting three feet away from me? And our interdependency is just, it's such, it's so powerful that there's such a strong sense of responsibility. It just feels like we're living in this kind of, we're in more of a survival mode right now. And the things that we can do to kind of help ourselves as we survive from day to day, as we kind of consider how we're going to make it through each day and whether we're going to make it through each day and if our loved ones are going to be okay, what can we do? And I, I go back to this, the research, which suggests that you know, having one person in your life that you are intimately connected to who would self-sacrifice on your behalf and not expect anything in return, um, having one person in your life who is that for you or nurturing that type of relationship will be so protective for, for humanity. That is, that feels like, you know, just beautifully mm-hmm. well put. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm just noticing in my body, like a bit of a calm actually, as you sort of spell out these different categories of experience that we're all collectively in right now, I'm noticing that after you know, as most people have had probably a very anxious, busy, intense, emotional day. Like already I can feel the calm and go, oh yes, like this is what is happening. And I think it was particularly striking to me, Lexi, to hear sort of this category of like a collective trauma and a collective survival mode that we're all in with varying particularities around that experience. But that is definitely what is going on? And I think that it speaks so much to our deep, deep needs right now. Mm-hmm. It's such a beautiful thing that we are collectively taking responsibility for our impact on others by doing social distancing and taking some really important precautions. And it also is so important to like 
be upping the ante on all of our self-care practices. Mm -hmm. And I love that that that's very simple call to action around just like thinking of that one person Mm -hmm. at this point. Like if that can be the, the minimum that you get to do of just thinking of one person to be connected to that feels like the person you can check on, the person that you know could be checking on you. That is immensely powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to talk more about like the social relationship side of it or family relationship side, I think the other thing we're collectively um, going through because we're in a crisis is that it makes things a little bit more our priorities. We have to triage. There's a lot of triaging of what we're what we're capable of focusing on. And I think it's offering us to take a bigger perspective and stock on what's important I see that um, happening in terms of relationships and family systems and even our collective care for the for the older people in our community and for parents and making very difficult decisions on behalf of protecting our parents and our older like people that are older in our lives, our grandparents. So I think there's also just this really beautiful way that that perspective is becoming a lot more clear. I think of in, you know, typical family system dynamics, there's, you know, we, we think about just the challenges that's there and the boundaries we're setting. And I know a lot of our clients are questioning, well, is this a time to set a person like the same personal boundaries with our families? Like, what do we do in, in this? Because there's, we're, we're being called to something bigger too. So how do we, how do we navigate kind of what we need with what there's a collective need for. And I know there is an invitation to think more collectively during this crisis of taking care of people in our lives and our parents in ways that maybe our grandparents that we haven't done before, uh, especially the recommendation for them to be even more isolated physically from people is, is I know it's strong in, in Seattle right now. There's this, that's the strongest message for, for our folks in the, the older age group. And so how do we make space for prioritizing um, those folks of of reaching out? And yeah. I guess I was thinking of an example of where I put aside a conflict with one of my family members. That conflict is very much put aside and I am investing in this person and loving them and showing up for them right now. And that I wouldn't have done that under nor- normal circumstances. Yeah. Um, I also think of like my kids, part of their at-home curriculum for school is to call their grandparents every day. Aww. So I have a FaceTime. That's one of their parts of their schedule is to FaceTime all of their grandparents. That is so mm-hmm. sweet. I think it may be thinking about it as like a, a dialectic of on one hand, like th- this is maybe an important time to set aside differences and then at the same time, um, it's also an important time to to take care of your boundaries and take care of yourself within your systems. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One thing that I want to add is that I know that this is a particularly stressful time to be in closed spaces with whoever you live with or who you don't live with or living alone. The very like fabric of our relational style is being pulled pulled upon and stressed right now and so while in some ways this is a a call for a lot of unity and I know that that has been the experience for a lot of people it can be a time of a lot of isolation within dynamics or a time of stress a time of tensions rising within confined spaces and Kara I would love to hear a little bit from you if you have any 
tips or takeaways around like how to be thinking through yeah, being the, in small spaces. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a part of it when I when we when I was first thinking about it, I was thinking about the relationships that are outside of the home, the places where there is distance. But within that home system, within that, uh, the places of living, yes, there's a lot of newness. I love what Lexi said about just so much uncertainty, novelty, newness, new rhythms, new dynamics. And that does put a lot of stress on people that are isolating together in whatever, whether that's roommates, whether that's family systems. That is a, a new kind of orientation. You know, I think it's an, it's inevitable that there is going to be such a range of emotion. So I think there's it calls for a lot of patience. I think we're in this for a long time, right? So even yeah. the systems that families are starting to develop or roommates are starting to develop, I would say we, we should hold all of those lightly. We can revisit those. We can change them. I mean, I'm we're brand new into it, so I I I I can speak, you know, for in from the experience of five days or or whatever's happened um, so far in my household of my family is um, you know isolating in their house, um, and so or in our house, my family's oh my gosh their house because I haven't been home. My family, <laughs> right. yeah. my family is isolating in my house, even though I am not there. <laughs> Um, and it's, you know, it's really, I think there's a lot of grace that needs to be extended to each other. Different ways coping is coming out that we don't have access to the same coping strategies that we've often had access to. There's a lot of defenses that are up. And so I think there's an invitation for a very big extension of grace and that to, to normalize the stress and also opportunity for new things to flourish. But a lot of that probably won't come right away. Julie, I know that speaking of like family systems, speaking of being at home, I am also really curious about your perspective, Julie, on how we need to be thinking about our relationship to food during this time. The, the phrase that's been coming to my mind is meet your basic needs. <laughs> Um, get back to the basics. And guess what? Eating is one of our basic human needs. Um, we need food. And one of the you know calls from our community health and from um, the nation is a shelter in place. And I just think, okay, within that shelter, how can you as a person do the responsible thing to get the food that you're going to need for you and those in your household and then feed yourself? And I think especially around caregivers as we piggyback off the conversation around family systems because caregivers, I think, I just want first that you can see the gift that it is that she probably will be sitting around the table more often with your loved ones eating and uh, lean into that and find what joy you can in that. And also ask for help uh, because I know that Although we know that the food supply is strong right now in our region and our understanding is throughout the our country, at least, um, the food supply is strong. That doesn't mean that everybody has access to all that food because of economic reasons or other things. So ask for help. I know that uh, our community that I'm a part of um, heard through a teacher that there was a need. So maybe you can reach out to a teacher of your child or some sort of community that you're connected with or just leave us 
post-it note or something on your neighbor's door to just say, we don't have food. We need something. I guess just that message to those that are in need and that you're not just you're not worried about your needs. You're worried about the people that are under you, um, under your wings. And so I just want to have you know that you're not alone and that there are resources. And I bet those people close to you want to help. But for those of us, too, I think as a caregiver, you have to individually care for yourself. And then those of us that are just taking care of our own needs, you know, take the responsible action to go and get the food, meet your basic needs. And and when it comes to the complexity of what we talk about in this podcast normally in terms of food relationship and body relationship and attunement, wow, like this is shaking it up. And I just want for everyone to hear that there is permission to eat. And you're going to eat differently. We are all going to eat so differently. Uh, We are going to have to be flexible with that. And that ingredient that we want to make it taste the way we want it to might not be there. Or the ingredient that you really don't want to eat because you have a whole history with it in your eating disorder or you have fears around. Guess what? Like throw it on that plate and let it nourish you because that's made of fat protein and carbohydrates <laughs> and your body knows what to do with this. <laughs> yes. I love the Julie message. <laughs> so I think like how can we be kind and curious with ourselves in our food relationship right now versus judgmental and prescriptive? I fear all of the feeds that are saying this is your time to be disciplined and do this for oh. this. Like, no, (laughs) no. Um, Be kind, be curious, give yourself permission. And I think on the other side of this, we're going to learn more about our own selves and our food relationship in a way that we could never have. So I think there's hope on the other side of it. So, Oh, I love that. I find that to be so, so Mm -hmm. encouraging that this is this is actually a time that we need so much more compassion, so much more grace. And Julie, I know you've spoken to this and we've done episodes around this before um, about Ellen Satter's hierarchy of needs. For anyone that doesn't know what that is, we've done some episodes about these particular tenets of how we should be thinking about our relationship to food. And I, I think this is a time where it's not about like instrumental eating. It's <laughs> basics. It's like going, like you said, going back to basics. This is a time where um, we might not have every single thing that we're excited about. We also might find ourselves desiring new things because guess what? Like Lexi said, this is a time of massive trauma and Mm -hmm. collective need. And so that is fiscal need. It is food need. It is also emotional need. And so if you find yourself not wanting to be on that food plan that you were on last month, like, okay, that's probably like, Yes, your Mm -hmm. needs are changing Mm -hmm. and that's okay. It's important to be listening to some needs that are really responding. Um, Your body is responding to some new stimulus and some pretty overwhelming stimulus. Um, I just I just have to dive in here because I feel like when I talk when we're thinking about exercise, basically, Julie just said the message I would say about exercise, but insert exercise instead of food. This is a time where there is, again, everything is changing. The limitations that we have right now around spaces to move our bodies, there's a lot that's not accessible anymore with gyms and fitness classes, and there's recommendations to go outside and exercise outside. And so everything that we've known is is kind of flipped on its head. And so it's a time of a lot of learning. It's a time of a lot of potential growth. It's not the same as it was before. And I think being compassionate, being curious, thinking about what 
how to be kind of creative in how you experience your body, how you're moving your body, how you relate to your body, both for those people that relate to being regular exercisers and those that are more avoidant of exercise. I think things will show up differently just because all of us are having to kind of face new coping strategies and look at the coping strategies that we have. So does exercise fit into your coping strategy? You'll probably find some of that out in this situation. (laughs) (laughs) Does it not? You'll probably find some of that out. So there's a lot of learning if, if you, if there is a moment to kind of categorically think about your relationship to exercise. And I, again, would encourage the self-compassion. This isn't the time to, to buckle down Or you might find that this really is going to be the way that you're going to have more negative coping with very compulsive movement. And so, again, I would encourage you, if you find yourself in that place, to think about other ways of asking for help and asking for support and expressing your what's going on for you and not just taking it to the runs outside. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that it... um, with those two categories and of course also including the mental health category as well i i'm aware of the level of stress that might have been increased in the last few weeks around body image as well again this is this is sort of both reflective of what you said julie and what you said kara but this is certainly a time where your relationship to your body and the way that you may be experiencing how your body feels um, being maybe inside more than you're used to or sedentary in different ways or not getting out of your pajamas until noon or, you know, whatever it is that's going on. Telehealth, um, right? If people are taking the screen time because of telehealth too. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I know that those that are either moving their doctor's appointments or their therapy appointments, if they have them to telehealth. I don't know if you guys have noticed this yet. You probably have, but you can see yourself. (laughs) And that is a really different experience to both be seeing yourself in that setting while also kind of being stuck in a lot of ways or claustrophobic through your day based off of the limitations um, around activity and social interaction within that. Again, just restating, this is a time for a lot of grace and a lot of compassion and knowing that like your body might be changing during this time and that is okay. And that might be a natural response to a lot of really massive changes that you weren't signing up for Mm. and that's okay. And your body might need some new things and it's also going to need a lot of tenderness. And I know that so many clients that you know we all have worked with that experience a lot of body image distress are often turning a lot of their anger, a lot of their emotion, a lot of their emotional experience in general on their bodies um, and turning in on themselves. And so just be be mindful of the ways that that could be happening as this time of great stress continues. Mm-hmm. Your body is not the thing that needs to receive punishment or it doesn't need to receive berating. It doesn't need to receive anything but some kindness and grace right now. So in particular, if you're someone that is now using FaceTime or video conferencing or Zoom or telehealth or whatever new form of technology um, to interact with your coworkers or your grandmother or your therapist, you might be interfacing a little bit more um, with your own face and your own um, reflection. 
in the screen in front of you. And that could accumulate into um, some more increased body consciousness or self-consciousness. And I think my invitation in that would be to try not to objectify yourself. You actually get the privilege right now to see all of the like beautiful expressions that your face makes as you interact and um, what it's like for you to be in a meeting or in a phone call and try to have the same kind of tenderness and compassion that you have to the other person that you're speaking to as you're looking at them towards yourself. Wear some clothes that you normally <laughs> wouldn't wear out of the house. Like have some fun with it. <laughs> Fashion risks. I seriously, I've been taking them privately um, <laughs> all week long on telehealth. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, I, I'm noticing as I'm listening to, um, all of you, I'm noticing some consistencies on our messages, which is something around take care of your basic needs and not try to go places, other places than other than taking care of just your basic food, <laughs> body, mm -hmm. and mental health. Mm. We will be releasing some more episodes that hopefully can be helpful to you during this really particular and unprecedented time. Um, so make sure that you have subscribed to The Appetite if you haven't already, so you can be up to date on those releases. Um, we also would love to hear from you around what you want us to be talking about, what you want us to be offering during this time. And you can be following along with us on Instagram and Facebook at Opal Food and Body. We'll certainly be reaching out there and you can send direct messages or um, comments as well to let us know what you're thinking and what you're needing. Thank you so much for listening. And Thank you to Daniel Gunther at Jackstraw Cultural Center for sound engineering, to Aaron Davidson for the Appetite's original music, and to Hans Anderson for editing. Join us next time and stay safe.